All right. Well, welcome tonight to uh, what in God's will is going on. Uh, we've gotten deep off into this study. I uh, want to take some time and kind of review last week as we talked about the process of being able to determine God's will. Um, we threw out a practical example of, you know, the desire to move, um, trying to figure out, well, how do I know that I'm supposed to move? Is this desire, you know, lined up with God? And so we gave a three-step process, uh, a three-step process. And in this process, the first step is examination of our motivations. And we looked at Psalms 139, 23 through 24. We also went deeper into Psalms 139, 23 through 24 this past Sunday, really um, focusing on opening ourselves up uh, to be examined, to allow God uh, to look at our motivations, to uh, uh, expose us, so to speak, um, so that we can know if there's any wicked way in us, is there, if there's anything in us, if our motivation is wrong, that God, we want you to lead us in the way of everlasting, lead us in the right way, lead us in the direction that you want us to go in. And then we talked about step two last week, uh, do what you know until God reveals what you need to know. And we went to Philippians chapter three, verses 14 through 16, which talks about Jesus being the prize that we're seeking after. And if there's anything else that we should be looking for, God will reveal it to us. And that's a mature approach um, to uh, understanding who we are and our responsibility. He said, that's the mature thing to do is that I'm going to do what I know to do. And that's to seek after Christ, to seek after Jesus, to do the things that I already know I'm supposed to be doing until God reveals that thing that I need to know. Because sometimes um, we lack the information uh, to really know God's will. So we got to stick with what we already know. Um, step three in this three-step process is to trust God and let him direct your path. Uh, I think at the end of the day, that final portion of the step of this process is the most critical because once you've gone through and you figured out your motives and you've repented or you change gears and then you begin to do the things that you know to do, you stay on course, you stay faithful. Now you have to just trust God, right? I mean, that, that's all that's left to say, I, I'm, I'm going to stick it out with you, Lord. I'm going to let you lead me. I'm going to let you guide me. I'm going to let you direct my path because there's multiple directions I can go in. There's multiple ways that this could go. And God, I want to give you the right of way uh, to direct the course and the fortunes of my life the course and the fortunes of my life. So however my life is going to turn out, I'm placing it in God's hands. All right. And so uh, just a, a recap of some of the things that we discussed on last week. So this week we're going to dive in and, and we're going to look at some, um, some definitions. And so um, as you can see here, we're going to look at God's will as the main ingredient. God's will as the main ingredient. Uh, when we look at um, putting anything together, there's always a main ingredient, something that brings everything together. And God's will is that main ingredient for believers. It's the thing that brings the flavor out. It's the thing that uh, holds everything together. It's the thing that um, makes everything make sense. 
is God's will. And so we'll start off looking at faith. Uh, faith is definitely one of the things that uh, we have uh, we have to make sure that we understand. Uh, and so uh, faith is something that a lot of times we take for granted, that we know what it is. Um, and so we're going to break it down farther. We're going to slow down. And I want to make sure that every one of you understands what faith is and how it works, because the key ingredient about faith is that faith is about us knowing God's preferred will, knowing what God prefers, being persuaded of his will. And so when we look at the definition of faith here, faith, pistis, 4102, is always a gift from God. Never something that can be produced by people. In short, 4102 Pistis faith for the believer is God's divine persuasion and therefore distinct from human belief or confidence, yet involving it. And so how does faith, uh, how does how does human belief uh, connect to faith? How, how does faith involve human belief? Anybody uh, um Remember how those things connect because we've taught on faith before, but I want to make sure that we got some people that understand how they connect. How does uh, human belief um, work its way into faith, uh, which comes from God and cannot be produced by man? There's a couple of guys I know can answer this real quick. And so don't hesitate to jump in for me. Who we got? Let's go, Pastor TC. All right. So um, we believe on Christ, which means to yield, which means to put trust in. Mm -hmm. Once we do that, God, therefore, imparts faith. Yes. Divine persuasion. I want to take all of them. So I hope someone else jumps in. But that's where it starts off at. So you believe on Christ. That means you put your trust in him. You're yielding to him, and then he inserts faith. Yes, and that's a perfect description of it because when you look at, um, uh, for a believer, uh, faith is God's divine persuasion, therefore distinct from human belief or confidence, yet involving it. How does it involve it? Is that when we put our trust, when we believe in what what the word says about Jesus, then the Lord continuously births faith in the yielded believer. And so a believer receives faith. (laughs) If you're a believer, then God is going to imbirth faith in you so that you can know what he prefers. And what is this terminology? When you hear what God prefers, what's the thing that comes to mind? New hand or old hand? Well, TC, your hand is already up. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, it was an old hand, but I mean, I mean, there, i.e., after you've been, um, you believe and you've been persuaded, you're persuaded on God's will, right. what we're talking about. So you need faith, the persuasion of God to understand his will and to do his now, will. Now, 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 we could breeze right past that. Right. But if we do that, we're going to miss something critical that you cannot know God's preferred will. We've been talking about God's will this whole time, but you can't know God's will apart from faith. 
Faith is what allows the yielded believer to know what God prefers. When we're trying to make decisions, those decisions have to be based on faith, that God has to convince us of what his preference is about a situation, i.e. the persuasion of his will, the persuasion of his will. So he wants to persuade you to do what his best offer has offered you. He's, He's given you a great opportunity to be a part of his perfect plan the things that he desires, and by faith, he's persuading you. But you first have to make the first step. That means you have to put your trust in him. You have to trust him. That's why we said uh, uh, trusting in the Lord with all our heart and leaning not to our understanding, but in all our ways, acknowledging him that he may make our path straight. So this trust piece is our part in the in the equation. Once we put our trust in God, then he puts faith in us so that we will know what it is that he prefers or what he desires. And so we're going to look at some verses. All right, so grab your Bibles. Um, I want to get some readers involved. So uh, make sure you grab your Bibles, get them open. We're going to start with Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse six, and when you have it, shoot your hand up if you want to read, um, and I will let you jump right in there. And hopefully, you can see the scriptures on the screen, so you can be ready to go to the next scripture. Um, you know, as we go forward. So, who got Hebrews chapter eleven and verse six? All right. Let's go, Kenji. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And there you see it. You see faith and belief in the same verse. And so you can't please God. You can't do what God prefers. You can't accept his best offer apart from faith. And so when you come to him, you're going to have to believe that he is. So that means you're going to believe in God and you're going to trust that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And the reward for diligently seeking him is faith. Faith is how all things are accomplished when it comes down to God. And faith is God's divine persuasion. And you got to understand that because faith is about something that you're not familiar with. Faith is about something that you haven't seen. Faith is about something that may not be evident to you in your daily life. It's going to be something that God is persuading you to do. If you don't need persuasion, then it's not faith. If he doesn't have to persuade you, then that's probably not faith unless you've gotten to the point where you are persuaded. (laughs) So there's no need to persuade me anymore because I'm persuaded to do what God prefers. I'm persuaded to do his will. Okay. All right. Um, You can drop, drop questions or comments in the chat, you know, in order to keep things moving. But Without faith, it's impossible to please God. What pleases God? His preferred will, i.e. his best offer. That is pleasing to God. 
when mankind accepts God's best offer, and we'll get to that even deeper as we look at some other words, but within faith, we see that faith is about God's what God prefers, his will, his best offer. Let's look at another verse. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 17. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 17. April. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 through 17. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Hmm. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So here it is. Here it is. We see that in order uh, to receive faith, we have to hear the word of God. And within the word of God is his best offer. Through the word of God, we see what God prefers. And what is, what is his preference here, according to these scriptures, is for people to be saved, for people to believe. And so in order for them to believe, somebody's got to go preach the message. Somebody's got to go share the message. You know, so often we think that, you know, it's just going to drop out of the sky, but God, his preferred will is that we share the message. And in order to share the message, we have to be convinced by faith to even go. (laughs) We have to be convinced that that's his will for the gospel to be preached and for it to be shared. And so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God and faith is something to be obeyed. If anybody's taking notes, faith is something to be obeyed. When God prompts you to do something, when you obey faith, that enters you into the process of sanctification. And that was one of the words I was going to put on here, but I was like, I, I could go on and on with all these words. But in order to walk in sanctification, to be set apart unto the Lord, That is a work of faith because you have to obey what God is prompting you to do. Okay. You have to obey what God is prompting you to do. All right. James chapter two, verses 18 through 20. This is a big one for a lot of people because of the argument of, you know, uh, uh, faith and works. And, you know, do you need faith? You know, you need works. Which one do you need to be saved? And and James uh, kind of settles the argument and puts it in perspective for us. And so James chapter 2, verses 18 through 20, who's got it? Pop your hands up quick. Don't hesitate. Don't think you're going to jump over anybody. Just jump right in. (laughs) TC, let's go. All right. James 2, 18 through 20. But some will say to, by the way, is that a lot about three? If I turn down, sorry about the background noise. But some will say, You have faith and I have worked. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Mm. You believe there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But you want, but you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith works 
Yeah, faith without works is dead. There we go. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> it goes a little right. choppy on that one. <laughs> it's all right. So this whole idea of believing, like we said, believing is just the, the beginning point. When God persuades us to do his will, the proof that God has persuaded us is that we do his will. You know, a lot of people will say, well, I'm justified by faith. Well, when you're justified by faith, we see that justification in what you do. It's so often that people will say, and I was thinking about this the other day, and I'm I'm doing a study right now. I'm creating a series, um, and I don't know if it's going to be a preaching series, a podcast series, a YouTube series. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but um, just seeing what the biblical experience of salvation was. What was the biblical experience of salvation? And one of the things that I noticed in the biblical experience of salvation, that when people heard the word of God and they believed it, the spirit of God came into their life and they lived like they believed it. They actually lived like they believed it. So often in our culture today, people will say, Uh, that I gave my life to Christ, but yet they are not persuaded to do God's will. They are not persuaded to live according to God's word. They are not persuaded to do what God prefers. They are not persuaded to receive his best offer or to uh, do things according to the way that he's prescribed them or the way he said to do them, but they'll say that I have faith. But How do you have faith and no works to back up that faith? Can faith alone save you? That's James's question. And I think it's a difficult one when people believe that faith is something that I just have and I have faith and that means I'm saved. Well, if you're true, if you truly have faith, then you will see it at work. You will see the change in your life. I'm not talking about perfection overnight, right? We're talking about progress. We're talking about your life changing to match what it is that you say you believe. And that is God's will. And so faith is the persuasion of God's will. That's why we say faith without works is dead. You know, you say, I believe in God, you do well. (laughs) The demons believe that. But you want to know something, old foolish man? <laughs> you want to really, you want to really get down to the nitty gritty? Is that if you say you have faith, but no life to back it up, then do you really have faith? And so that's the question here. And so when we talk about faith, we have to include that faith is about God's will, his persuasion, the things that he wants. Now, I'm going to pause right here um, just in case you have any questions or comments, things that you want to ask, um, and you can either shoot your hand up real quick or you can drop drop them in the chat, and I'll, I'll follow back up with it. I'll take a look at it and uh, try to answer your questions or mention your comment. Uh, thank you, Kenji. See your hand, brother. What's going on? So this is kind of dividing belief and faith because it's saying like the demons we can believe in god 
But if we're not being persuaded by him, mm. then we don't have the faith or the works. Because the demons don't have their, they don't have, they're not doing God's will. Right, right. Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, you got it 100%. <clears throat> Use the term divide, I would say distinguish. It's distinguishing in between the two, you know, okay. which is a better word. And so write this down just for those that are taking notes that haven't heard me blab on about faith and belief and all that kind of stuff over and over again. Faith is 4102, but the term believe, pisteo, is 4100. And that's what we're talking about, you know, the, the human belief or confidence to put your trust in something, to say that, you know, I believe something is human, but faith is divine. Faith is the part that God does. And so when our belief meets God's persuasion and we begin to do his will, then we are walking by faith. That's what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. It means that you live according to God's will. If God says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, then you live like when I'm absent from this body, I will be present with the Lord. That's a person that's persuaded. Right. And so it causes you to live differently when you're persuaded by God. Thanks for that. Uh, that comment, Kenji. Anybody else shoot your hand up real quick or drop it in the chat. All right. So we'll keep moving. Um, let's look at prayer. Let's look at prayer. Uh, uh, prosemi. Uh, prosemi. This word prayer is to exchange um, properly to exchange wishes. Now, when I say the term wishes, who has heard that term used before in our study? When we talk about wishes, what's another word that we use? Kenji, he's on fire tonight. Actually, I, I, I take that back. Uh, yeah, I'm going to lower my hand. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That term wishes, remember we went over the different terms that describe a particular thing, and one of the terms was wishes. And I'll give you another one, desire. Isn't it his will? Desire is wants, wishes, and desires. Yes, yes. Yeah, there we go. Good job, April. So, So here, we're talking about exchanging our wishes, our will. For his will. This is what prayer is. Prayer is about us exchanging what we want, what we desire, what we wish, the ideas that we have for God's will, his wishes. And what does he do when he, when he gives you his wishes? He imparts faith. He imparts faith, which is the only way you can know his will is by faith. The only way you can be persuaded of his will is by faith. And so as we pray, we have to be prepared to receive from God his will and the faith to do accordingly. Man, that's good stuff. Oh, my scriptures are covered up. Put this up on here. Kenji, is that a new hand? Yeah, it's a new hand. Yes, sir. 
this brings new light on the praying for me because a lot of times, I think we talked about this, but we bring things to God, our desires, and we want him to stamp it with his approval. <laughs> right, right. We want him to sign off on it. But really, it's about us bringing our, our problems, our our desires to him, and then listening to him and see what's best for us, and what yes. he wants. Man, man, Kendra, you preaching, preaching. <laughs> you're on fire tonight i love it i love it but yeah that's exactly what should happen when we really understand that 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 prayer is not about us just giving a laundry list of things it's about us exchanging what we want what we wish what we desire and receiving the impartation of god's faith in order to do what he wants what he wishes what he desires Um, Let's look at our scripture. So James chapter one, verses five through eight, James chapter one, verses five through eight. I don't know if you guys can see it. My, um, my space bar down here is covering it up for me. So we can't see it. You can't see it. Okay. So James chapter one, verses five through eight. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know how to move this. James chapter five through eight. Okay, you got it. And I'm going to give you the other yeah. one just so you can um, already have them. So write these down. It's James chapter one, chapter one, verses five through eight. Matthew chapter six, verses eight through 10. Matthew chapter six, verses eight through 10. And then first John chapter five, verses 14 and 15. That way you have them all. And so as we go to each one, You can just pop your hand up if you want to read. So we got those. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. Matthew chapter 6, verses 8 through 10. And 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 through 15. Uh, Minister Mike, uh, you can go ahead and read, sir. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, You have lived on earth in pleasure and luxury. You have flattened your heart. Is that James 1? It's 5? No, 5. James 1. James 1, 5? Oh, James 1. Yeah, James sorry, 1. Please forgive me. Yes. I was in James 5. If any lacks wisdom. Yes, that's the one. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah. James 1. James 1, 5. Okay, sorry. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives all liberty and without reproach. And it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. And for let not man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double minded man, unstable in all his ways. Okay. So. Here's the key here. Here's something that um, I think we overlook because not not all of us had taken the time to really slow down and understand prayer, faith, God's will, right? So when he says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. But then he goes on to say, But when he asks, let him ask in faith. Here's what I want you to put together here. I want you to realize that when I'm asking God for wisdom, 
I'm asking God for wisdom because God has persuaded me that that's what I need. Is wisdom? Is wisdom. I didn't come up with, with that on my own. It wasn't something that I just wanted. Somehow, God persuaded me that I had a deficiency in the area of wisdom. And so when I ask, I'm asking fully convinced that this is what God wants me to have that he will not hold it back from me. He will not, you know, make me feel ashamed for needing wisdom, but he actually wants me to have wisdom. That you're fully convinced. And see, when we pray and we're not fully convinced, we're basically double-minded. We're, we're, we're really not, we're really not praying. We'll, we'll get to some more scriptures that will kind of show that we're really not praying. We're really just saying things in the air. But when we pray convinced by God, and this is why knowing God's will, and we talked about it last week, first of all, just knowing what the word of God says, right? You know, I remember, you know, they used to teach us, well, pray the word. Now, when you first start out, you don't know a whole lot of scripture, right? So you kind of just pray, you know, what's on your heart, which is not wrong. That's not wrong at all. Mm -hmm. But eventually you should graduate to a point where you've been reading the word, you've been studying the word and you know what the word says about specific things, not everything, but you know what the word says and you begin to pray according to his word. And here, according to his word, if you lack wisdom, be totally convinced that it's God's will that you get it. Don't ever pray uh, kind of, well, Lord, can you please give me what? No, know that father, you promised that if I lack wisdom in my life, that you would give it to me and that you would not hold it back. And so I pray convinced by your word, because how do we say faith comes? Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. This is why the word of God is so important in understanding uh, and being able to get to God's will. This is why God's will is such a main ingredient. It's in everything that we really um, are fundamentals to our, our belief system. Mm -hmm. And prayer is one of the fundamentals. And faith is the persuasion of God's will, helping us to know what he prefers. And that is involved in us praying. Okay. Okay. Next scripture, Matthew chapter six. Verses 8 through 10, this one's going to be really good. Now that we've been talking about this, you're going to read this almost like it's for the first time. All right, who's got it? Matthew chapter 6, verses 8 through 10. Just pop your hand up real quick. We'll get in there. Kenji? Man, Kenji's quick on the draw tonight, y'all. Y'all got to wake up. <laughs> Matthew 6, 8 through 10. Therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things you, you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be, thy, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah, so key point. The reason why I put verse 8 in there is because when we pray, we're going to have to be convinced by faith 
that our heavenly father already knows what we have need of before we ask. Mm -hmm. And so that gives us a confidence when we go to God that if we, if we listen, if we receive, if we allow God to move us in a direction, it's because he knows what's best. And that's why we can just pray our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done because we trust his will, because we trust that he knows what we need more than we do. He actually knows what's best for us. And so when we go to him, we may say, well, I think I need, you know, I don't know, a new car. (laughs) And and God will say, you need patience. (laughs) Like, no, I need a new car. I don't want to be patient. <laughs> but he knows what you need before you even ask. And so uh, to, to, to try to impose our wishes, our will on God almost seems foolish when he knows what we need before we even ask. Are you with me? Okay. All right, we're going to keep it moving. Our last verse on prayer. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 through 15. Who's got it? Pop that hand up. Let's go. Okay, G. Berry, welcome to the party. Go ahead, Willie. You got to unmute yourself. Oh, sorry about that. Yep, yep. Okay. First John um, chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Mm. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Yes. And so when we're praying, one of the main ingredients in our prayer is God's will. And so if we ask anything according to his will, we have a confidence that he hears us. God actually wants you to be confident when you pray. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want you to be double-minded, tossed to and fro. He actually wants you to be confident. And this is why it's important, you know, for us to being Bible studies, you know, taking time studying on our own, uh, sitting with other believers, sharing and talking about the word, because as we know more of the word, we can be more confident of what his will is, what his best offer is, and then we can pray according to that. A lot of times we struggle to make decisions in life uh, because we don't know his will and we're trying to figure it out. And, And that's why in our steps, we say, well, first of all, examine yourself because you know, what is it that you're trying, what you're after? Are you after God's will? Or are you after something else? Mm-hmm. And once you, you know, decide that and settle that, then you just do what you know, what is clearly written in scripture until God reveals what you need to know. And then you just trust him. You trust him and you, you walk this thing out. And so when we pray, we can pray in confidence if we ask according to his will. So we have to seek his will. Prayer is most effective when we're praying according to his will, we just read, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done. 
We may start off saying, well, this is what I desire. But at the end, like Jesus did, that was the great exchange, right? Jesus said, well, nevertheless, (laughs) not my will, but your will be done. Mm. Are you with me? Mm. All right. All right. Before we move on to our next thing. Um. Questions, comments, concerns. And remember the chat is open if you want to just drop something in there, or if you have a question, comment, slip that hand up real quick, real quick, because we got a lot to cover. We're going to keep on rolling. All right. So now we're going to look at repentance. We're going to look at repentance um, and see how God's will is the main ingredient, even in repentance. Mm. And so repentance, 3340, metaneo is the Greek word, it it is used as I repent, change my mind, uh, change my inner man, particularly with reference to acceptance of God's will. That's what it means to repent. And, And I think this is critical that we make sure we define repentance in that terms, that when I'm changing my mind about something, I'm changing it from my will, what I want or what the world wants or what I've been taught to accepting what God wants, what he wishes, what he desires. I mean, this is, this is, this is critical is that I may want something, you know, but if God (laughs) by faith begins to persuade me, I'm going to obey that faith and accept God's will and that is repentance. That is turning to what it is that he wants, changing my mind about it, changing even my inner man. So that's changing my heart about it. Mm-hmm. So the change of mind and the change of heart, that's what the inner man here means, particularly in reference to accepting God's will. We got to accept God's will in our hearts. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we accept it up here, right? But here we're still fighting it. We're still struggling with it, right? And so we've got to learn how to accept God's will within our hearts, okay? All right, here's our scriptures. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, and then Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. That's TC. Right. Let's go 3 and 4. Four. Yeah, okay, I'll open. All right. Mm-hmm. For this is a good... And it's, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to know the to come to the knowledge of the truth. Yes. And so this is good and acceptable in the sight of God. This is good and acceptable. I, I want us to really digest that. This is good and acceptable. What is he talking about? He's talking about praying for all men. That's the context for us to make prayers and supplications with thanksgivings for all men. Because at the end of the day, our prayers should open the door for people to be saved. That's really what we're praying for. Ultimately, yes, there's some other things, but ultimately for people to be saved because that's what God desires. That's another word for will, desires. That's his desire. And so we want people, watch this, to repent. 
We want people to repent. And so when I say that, and I'm going to engage you here, I want somebody to pop their hand up and, and be ready to engage this. When I'm telling someone they need to repent, what am I telling them to do? A 180. A 180, but specifically, what am I telling them to do? TC? And this is so good. Uh, change their mind. Change their mind. Mm-hmm. They have a thought on something, and we're asking them to see God's way. So change their mind. We're like persuading them to change their mind mm-hmm. about the matter, you know? like <laughs> Yes, about the matter, but there's something specific. And, and, oh. and, and, but I'm going to let somebody else fill in yeah, the rest. Yeah, you're right. right. You're not right. wrong, but there's yeah. more to it. Kenji? Okay. Mm-hmm. Accept God's will. Accept God's will. So Pastor TC said, change your mind about the thing, but the changing of the mind about it is to accept God's will. <laughs> that's why I'm changing my mind. Mm-hmm. That, you know, so that's why I said he's not wrong. He's, he's absolutely right. He's absolutely right that he's, you're changing your mind about a thing, but that thing that you're changing your mind about you're changing it to accept God's will. Okay. Let's say a person says, you know what? I'm just going to cut everybody off. It's going to cut everybody off, right? Hmm. People have done me wrong. I'm tired of everybody. I, I, I'm just going to cut them off. Now, what would we be, pers- what would we try to persuade them to do there <laughs> instead of just cutting everybody off. What will we be? G Barry. <laughs> Reconciliation. Reconcile. Accept God's Reconcile will. Forgive. With them. And, yeah. you know, and reminding them, it's like, you know, what the Bible says is that <laughs> if you know that your brother has an eye with you to go to them and then you could present your gift before the altar. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. So we persuade them. We encourage them to change their mind about that. Change your mind about cutting everybody off and accept God's will. God's will is that you go to them and you reconcile, you know? And, and, and when you see this in the practical sense, that's what repentance is. So let's say I thought that and I said, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and go to them and talk to them. That person just repented. As uh, April said, they just did a 180. Mm. <laughs> They just turned around and went the opposite direction. They were going away from God's will. They were rejecting God's will. And now they're accepting God's will. Because remember, God's will, his preferred will, is his best offer to man that can be accepted or rejected. Are you with me? Let me see. Let me check my chat here. All right. Exchange God's wishes for his desire. Yes. Sandra said, wow, why does that sound <laughs> like me, especially recently? Amen. God will speak to you. He, he, he already knows. He, he'll speak to you. All right. Uh, our next verse, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Who's got it? Pop that hand up quick. Quick, 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 quick. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. All right. The Thompsons. I don't know if it's Miss Edie or Mike. 
<laughs> it's me. All right. Yeah. Um, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, mm -hmm. as some count slackness, mm -hmm. but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, now this is a great scripture because the context of this is that the Lord promises to return for his people, right? And for some individuals, they say, well, he ain't came back yet. Mm -hmm. Everything's still going on as it was. They said that a thousand years ago, he was coming back. They said that this and scripture already has an answer to that argument that God is not slow or slack concerning his promises. If he promised that he was going to do it, he's going to do it. But what we find out is that God desires for all men to be saved. So he takes his time in order to give mankind time because that's how important it is for him to see men turn and accept his will and be saved. Now, if we begin to adopt God's heart towards people, we won't be so quick to ignore them or reject them or throw them away because maybe they're not living the way that we, we think they should live. God is saying, no, I, I'm, I'm patiently waiting because I'm going to give them every opportunity to repent, to turn and accept my will. And what is my will for them? that they not perish. Now, that'll preach by itself. If you just went and said, you know what? Accept God's will today. Well, what is God's will? That you not perish. That you receive his love today through putting your trust and your belief in Jesus Christ, and then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and faith that you'll now live for him. This is his will. And so we see even in repentance, the main ingredient to repentance is God's will. It's not really repentance if you're not turning to accept God's will. Because all these years I've heard people say, it's a change of mind, it's a change of heart that creates a change of behavior. That's what I've always heard. I've never heard anybody stop and tell me that it's about accepting God's will. They always made it seem like repentance is just about me not doing something bad anymore. Instead of me turning and accepting God's best offer in my specific situation. That can be applied to every specific situation. What is God's best offer in that situation? So I'm not just changing my mind, changing my heart, changing my behavior. I'm turning and accepting God's best offer. Is everybody with me? All right. Yes, sir. All right. Now we're going to. We're going to get into two really heavy ones. I think these ones are going to be heavy. That's why I wanted to put them towards the end. Um, we're going to start with love. Mm. Love. Uh, G25 and your strongs, agapeo. Agapeo. And this is one of my favorite. Just, I've fallen in love with love. <laughs> love is properly to prefer to love for the believer, here it is, preferring to live through Christ. Now, let me just slow down with that. Love is preferring to live my life through Christ. 
that's a hard one to kind of calibrate your brain to. Mm-hmm. Because what he's saying here is that I am going to live the way that God wants me to live. And he wants me to live through Christ. Because through Christ is the new life. Whereas you have the old life that came through Adam, right? Mm -hmm. And the new life is through Christ. He says, that's love. When you live through Christ, you are actually walking and talking and living out love. I.e. embracing God's will. Choosing his choices and obeying them by his power. So when we talk about love as Christians, we're talking about doing what God prefers. Now, this satisfies two important commandments. When we do what God prefers, we are loving him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then by treating people the way God prefers for us to treat them, we are loving our neighbor as ourselves. This is captured in just embracing God's will, choosing his choices and obeying them through his power. If we obey God, we love him. If we do what God is is commanding us to do, we're going to find out that that's how you love other people because you really can't love apart from God. Right. Preeminently, this refers to what God prefers as he is love, y'all. So he's the definition of what love is. You can't really know love until you know God. So everything before God was not love. Not in the sense of God type love. We can have phileo, right? Which is human love. And that comes in a variety of ways. Brotherly love, friendship love. You can have philanthropy, which is the love of people. You can have philosophy, which is the love of wisdom. You can have all those types of loves, but that does not equate to the type of love that God is commanding. All right. So I'm pretty sure you guys can see the the scripture on the screen. Uh, John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35. Who's there? I know y'all went there because y'all saw it. (laughs) Who's got it? Pop that hand up. Oh, man, y'all slow on the trigger. (laughs) Kenji. John 14, 34 through 35. John 13, 34 through 35. Yeah, 13. Yeah. A new commandment I give to you, Mm. that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. Now, now look at that. Look at that. That is, that is the baseline for love. Is to love as you have been loved. Mm-hmm. Love the way Christ loved you. And how did he love us? <laughs> he gave himself for us. He sacrificed for us. This is something that's hard to do. The, it's hard to really show love in the way that you have been loved, because a lot of times we take the love of God for granted. And so we'll, 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 we'll treat God's love kind of cheap. 
Like, yeah, he loves me. He's supposed to. He's God. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, wow, he loved me first. And because he loved me so much, I want to go and love other people. I want to choose his choices and obey them through his power. It is actually going to take divine persuasion for you to love like you're supposed to. Mm -hmm. There are times where you're going to be called upon to love and you're going to resist it. I know y'all don't want to hear that. You're going to think that love is weak. You're going to think that love is letting this person walk all over me. You're going to think that love is, you know, being a chump. And you're going to need God to divinely persuade you to choose his choice and obey it through his power. Mm. Love is not for the faint of heart. Love is the divine work of God. And in order for us to really grab love, now, now I'm going I'm to start working some things. We're going to put it together. So it's going to take faith to really love. And so I'm going to ask y'all this. Would it be appropriate for me to go to God in prayer and ask him to help me to love the people around me? Would that be an appropriate prayer? Is that praying according to God's will? Shoot a hand up. Somebody, somebody, somebody answer. Who's got it? Yes. Yeah, yes. I think so. Yes. You should be confident. If you go into prayer and pray, Lord, help me to love. Help me to love others the way that you love me. Man, that you can you can pray into that confidently. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't been, then you can repent, (laughs) which means to turn and accept his will. But he wants me to love. So I'm going to go ahead and do it. Not only am I going to pray into it, but I'm going to show some works. (laughs) That's good. That'll preach. (laughs) That'll preach, won't it? I'm not going to just have faith. I'm going to be persuaded by this faith. And you're going to see the works of this faith and I'm going to pray into it and I'm going to do it. Right. And so the, the, this, this terminology love is c- closely connected to God's will because it's really about choosing his choices, embracing his will. And his will is for you to love one another as he has loved you. A lot of times people go into prayer and they're like, I don't know what to pray for. Man, you could pray this every day. You ought to wake up in the morning and say, Lord, help me to love today. (laughs) I'm going into this job. Help me to love today. I'm going into this situation, Lord. Help me to walk in love. Help me to embrace your will. Choose your choices and obey them. And so God, because God's going to show you how to love people. We don't need the five love languages. We need divine persuasion by God. Because God knows what people need. And so if I pray and say, God, help me to love as I have been loved. Amen. Yes. Help me to love as I have been loved. 
Okay. All right. Before we move on, questions, comments, anything you want clarified? All right. Hope y'all are ready for this one. So the final word that we're going to deal with tonight is prophecy. No, no they, we're not ready. Prophecy. <laughs> okay. And so uh, prophecy 4394, i.e. this is the discourse emanating from divine inspiration um, and declaring the purposes of God whether by reproving and admonishing the wicked or by comforting the afflicted or revealing hidden things, especially foretelling of future events. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> he said, slow that down. <laughs> yes, we do need, we need that divine persuasion. Um, okay. Let's look at Romans chapter 12 verses three through six. And we're going to see the intersection between prophecy, faith, and God's will. Deacon Tim. Okay, yeah, I was just turning to that scripture. I'll go ahead and read it. Yes, sir. Uh, it says, for I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm. For as many, uh, excuse me, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. Mm. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Okay, stop there. So God has dealt to everyone a measure of faith. And the measure of faith is the divine persuasion to know what he prefers. Now let's break this down. The divine persuasion to know what he prefers. And so first things first is that we're many members. We're all in the same body but we all don't have the same function. So the only way we can know our function is that God divinely persuades us of what our function is. See, a lot of people are looking for somebody else to persuade them instead of letting God persuade us of what it is that he is asking us to do. When we get to verse six, and he talks about the different gifts that we should use them, he says something that I think we have read past for many years. He said that we must prophesy in proportion to God's divine persuasion. <laughs> the God has to persuade us, number one, that he is speaking, number two, of what he is speaking, and when to speak it. We can get hung up on thinking that prophecy is about us, but prophecy is about God. It is him that persuades us that he's speaking, what he's speaking, and when we should open our mouth to speak it. 
Now, Tim, is that a new hand or old hand? Old hand, sorry. Okay. Okay, that's a new hand, Pastor TC. <laughs> Man, um, I could hear first lady in the background. That that's she just uh, she just doing the mm, I'm doing mm. the ooh, <laughs> that's good because mm-hmm. yeah, we made prophecy all about us. Mm-hmm. But that last part, when to speak it, that part. Cause yeah, God wants He wants us to know. Yeah. You know, so he he does want to speak, but there's a way to speak it. Yeah, I think people get lost on just the way to speak it, I guess, mm-hmm. and not slowing down on, okay, when do I speak this? Right. And there's people, I think, like me, like, I'm like, I'm like, well, well, does God want me to speak it? Well, yeah, God wants you to speak it. You just got to sit with him long enough to figure out when. Mm-hmm. Like, that that began me caught up all the time. Like, this, this was very insightful because I'd be having those moments a lot. Because I'm like, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about. A lot of times I've been fully persuaded <laughs> by God. So I'm like, well, wait, should I even say that? Because, you know, I need to spend more time in the word. So, yeah, this this thing is, man. Yeah, I can see why this last one was a doozy. Because, yeah. And, and, and I'm going to add some things to it because I actually didn't have space. I didn't have full space to really put the full definition for prophecy. But another piece uh, with this, with, with prophecy is... Prophecy is the enforcement and the communication of what God has already revealed, okay? And so, uh, again, a person who operates in prophecy has to also know God's will, what he's already revealed. Mm. And then you speak forth what he's already revealed, and you enforce that. You say, you know what? This is what he says, And you can say, if you don't do what he says, this is what he says will happen. That is prophetic language. And see, a lot of times people are caught up in prophecy being fortune telling, and it has nothing to do with God's purposes. Ouch. It's nothing to do with his will. You're not persuaded because if you got to prophesy in proportion to your faith, then you're prophesying in proportion to what God has persuaded you to. Uh, and that persuasion is his will. So he's persuading you to speak his will, not to just speak, you know, uh, uh, you know, some things that are in the future. Right. You know, unless those things in the future are tied to what he has already revealed as his will. Kenji. It reminds me of that scripture when Jesus said he never knew you, never knew us. I think they didn't they mention they prophesize in his name. Mm-hmm. In his name, but they're not prophesying convinced by him, right? So yeah, right. that's a that's a great uh, that's a great connection there. You know, this is why a person could be prophesying in his name, but not actually be prophesying according to 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 faith. They're not convinced by him; they're just prophesying. Yes, yes. <laughs> and it's the same thing with prayer. Remember when Jesus taught on prayer, he said, don't just speak out and think that you're heard for your many words, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) You're just speaking out stuff and you're actually not praying according to God's will. And so prayer, prayer is a great way. uh, Prayer, I'm going to say it this way. Prayer directly connects to prophecy. Yes. 
Amen. Amen. I got an amen right there. (laughs) Prayer directly connects to prophecy. If you go into prayer and you receive God's will and you're divinely persuaded of God's will, then you can speak what God has divinely persuaded you of. That's why most prophecy, especially people who don't walk in the teaching office of prophet, all of us are prophetic. All of us have the Holy Spirit. All of us have the ability to speak what God is saying, but we have to be convinced by faith. We have to prophesy in proportion to our faith. And so how does that happen? When we go into prayer, we should come out with what God is saying. Tierra mm-hmm. <laughs> said you're making a whole lot of sense right now. <laughs> Amen. Because uh, she's been told that before and she knows Amen. it. Amen. Amen. I love it. And so th- th- this is important. Kenji, new hand. Yeah, this is all tying in together now. I'm just seeing how all these things we just covered, they're all God's will and how they all just, yeah, like, because you can say, how how do you do God's will? But these break it down and I, it's all tied in now. It's, it's all connected. Yeah. It's all connected. I see it. Yeah. You know, and these are these are just some of the words that stood out to me. There's actually more, you know, it, as you study the word of God, you will see that there's more, you know, there's terms like rhema. I didn't put that one up there, but a rhema, and we hear that in church, oh, a rhema word, but really a rhema word is a word that produces faith. Come on now. That's what a rhema word is. It is a word that produces faith, and it can either come through reading the word, it, it can come through a prophetic word, it can, you know, but it is a word that produces God's divine persuasion of his will. If it's really a rhema word, it causes you to want to obey God. It, it's persuading you to do his will. Come on now. That's rhema. <laughs> you better teach. Right. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, I, you know, that's, that's me piggybacking on, on, on some of Taya's studies. Amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> some, some of Taya's studies, you know, getting in there deep. Yeah, and so and so 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 prophecy is is not just something that you just pull out of the air, right? You know, that's kind of how we viewed it. You know, is that well, yeah, God doesn't speak to me like that. Actually, he 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 does. He he, God will persuade you of what he is saying, and and that's supernatural. You know, sometimes you don't even understand how he's doing it, but you just know what to say. Have you, have you ever prayed for somebody and for some reason you just knew what to say? You didn't realize that you were prophesying because intercession, remember we learned that intercession is directly the work of the Holy Spirit. Yes. And so as I go into intercession, the Holy Spirit begins to pray through me. And so by faith, I'm speaking forth what I believe the Holy Spirit is, 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 is saying, and I will be prophesying because I'm speaking forth the purposes of God. I'm declaring the purposes of God by divine inspiration. Uh, Willie, I saw your hand go up and then it went down. I don't know if you meant to do that. Oh, no. Yeah. No, I'm just tripping because, (laughs) yeah, all all this is hitting real different because everything you just mentioned from praying to somebody and then I just knew what to say. Oh, yeah. Everything you're saying is just hit different. And it's like, 
the word that you're given, it's actually comforting me. Like, mm. it's just like reaffirming me of what he has already imparted in me. Yeah. And that's why I'm like, wow, I'm seeing it from that spectrum and just from what I'm listening to. It's like, what is this doing to me? It's, it's reaffirming, it's reassuring, it's comforting. And I'm just like, wow, this is dope. Yeah, man. Amen. Amen. And, and that's the and, and that's and that's the point. And you know, when I was asking God because I, because I I almost I almost did it again. I almost switched slides. I almost said, well, now I'm gonna do this slide first. <laughs> and and the Lord said, nope, I need you to stick with this one. I was like, but this one's got a bunch of definitions and terms on it. And, and I don't know if anybody wants to sit through a whole bunch of definitions, but persuaded <laughs> by God that this was his will puts us in position to get this revelation and to hear this rhema. This is this is this would be considered rhema because it's stirring up your faith. It's stirring up your faith to know, first of all, what God prefers, and then to be persuaded of that, you know, that now you know, and because at the end of the day, God's will truly is the main ingredient, that the focus of everything that we're saying and doing should be about knowing and seeking after God's will. We should want God's will more than anything else. Amen. Amen. Okay. All right. So, um, questions, comments, clarifications, anything that you want clarified, Willie? Yeah. Um, you know, everything that you're saying, I'm just thinking about it from a chef standpoint. It's like, if I have a turkey terracini, it's like the main ingredient is the turkey. It's in the name. That's the same way God's will is the main ingredient. So I'm just like, wow. And like, after you said all that, that's what just clicked right now. I'm like, wow, that was dope. Thank you, God. <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. That is the key to all that we're doing. Kenji. Yeah, I'm still thinking about the repentance too, because we could, you know, I think, well, I'm not sinning right now, so I'm I'm in repentance. But am I doing God's will in this moment? You know, yeah. So, yeah. It's very, it's a very uh, real time thing. Where am I in God's will right now? Yeah, yeah, because that's a key element. Because that's what it's really about. You know, you can say, well, I you know, I ain't at the strip club or I ain't doing this or I ain't doing that, but are you doing God's will? Because even if you know to do what's good and you don't do it, that's actually sin. (laughs) You know what you should be doing and you don't do it. Are you willing to change your mind about that and accept God's will? Let me do what I know, even though it's hard. Maybe I'm tired. Maybe it's hard for me to focus right now. But I know what God's will is. It's God's will for me to get this information. It's God's will for me to take this note, take these notes. It's God's will for, for me to understand this because, you know, I, I need to be able to share this. I need to be able to talk to somebody about this. What if, what if it's God's will? The Bible says, now watch this. If any man lacks wisdom, 
Right. Let them ask of God. Mm-hmm. And let them ask in faith. Let them ask convinced that this is what God wants. Now watch this. And I'm going to prove beyond that scripture that this is what God wants. Everybody go to Proverbs chapter four and verse seven. Now we're going we to we flow. I'm just going to start pulling. Proverbs chapter four and verse seven. Go there quickly. Go there quickly. I'm going to prove to you that God, it's God's will that you operate in wisdom and understanding. Mm-hmm. Proverbs chapter four, verse seven. Who's got it? Here we go. Uh, wisdom is the principal thing. Mm-hmm. Therefore, get wisdom. Mm-hmm. While you're getting, get understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, this is a command. Get wisdom. And in all your gettings, get an understanding. If you walk around here, now this is going to sound harsh. Not getting wisdom. You're actually walking in disobedience. It is not God's will for you to be ignorant. It is not God's will for you to not know. It is not God's will for you to not understand. Now, I know that just says something scandalous. Mm -hmm. And you need to repent and turn and accept God's will and get wisdom. That's the gall. (laughs) (laughs) That's it, scandalous. I mean, see, once you understand God's will, then you can be confident when you say, well, no, that's God's will. It is not God's will that you be ignorant. It is not God's will that you run around here not knowing. (laughs) Willie. I was just thinking about Apostle Paul, how he was saying, man, he wouldn't have you ignorant Ignorant. of devices. That's why I'm just like, wow. We are not supposed to refuse the wisdom of God. Ouch, that hurts. Thompson's. Yeah, I'm stuck on the love part. He said, I'm still stuck on the love part. Yeah, and so I think every day our prayer should be, help us to love the way you love us. That's where I'm stuck. Yeah, because sometimes we don't we don't feel like loving. We don't know how to love. We don't want to love. But we should be saying, help me to love the way you love me. Amen. Yeah. That's that's a prayer. That's a prayer. That's a prayer right there. Now look, so just from this study, you can already look at this screen and see some things that you need to be praying about. You need to be praying that, God, I'm convinced by faith of what your will is. That I'm not walking around here double-minded, unstable, but that I'm convinced by faith. God, I want to speak according to your divine inspiration and speak and declare your purposes. And Lord, by faith, I want to do that. Because 
here's what Paul said. Actually, I want y'all to read it because I don't want y'all to just take my word for it. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I want you to read verse one, actually one and two. We'll do that. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse one and two. Who's got it? Pop that hand up. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 and 2. Who's got it? Come on, come on, come on. You said 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 1 through what? 1 and 2. 1 and 2, okay. Yes, sir. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. One more verse. Read one more verse. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Okay. He says to desire, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Mm -hmm. Especially that you may prophesy. Now, Paul you are starting some trouble right now. <laughs> In today's church, Paul, you're starting some trouble. You telling people to desire prophecy. Yeah. That they should want to, through divine inspiration, declare the purposes of God. That they should want to reprove and admonish the wicked. That they should want to confront or comfort the afflicted and reveal the hidden things of God. That they should want that. There are people that think that God doesn't want them (laughs) to do that. This scripture's hitting different right now. It sure is. Because when you recognize that the only way to know God's will is to know God's word and to understand God's word. And so this all ties together. Wisdom is the principal thing. Where is wisdom? Wisdom is in God's word. Mm -hmm. And through God's word, we get understanding. And once we understand God's word, then we understand God's will. And then we're supposed to do God's will. And if we're not doing God's will, we're supposed to repent. Change our mind about doing God's will. I know, I know we're thinking, oh, not me. Repent. That hurts because a lot of people, you know, that 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 go into that victim, well, you know, no, I just feel like that because I'm unworthy. Repent of your unworthiness. And accept God's will. (laughs) That you are worthy by the blood of Jesus Christ. That you are accepted into the beloved. That you are, he's chosen you. And he did it through sacrificing his son. And so you can no longer say that you are unworthy because the person who pays the price determines the worth of what he paid for. Mm -hmm. And if he paid with his blood, then that means you're worth something. Hmm. 
Tim. Wow, this is good. Uh, pursuing love. I, I just, I never noticed the way it says pursue love, pursue desire it. spiritual gifts, especially that you prophesy. But this is all part of his kingdom coming, his will being done, done. Yes, on good. the earth as it is in him. And, and, and the other scripture came to mind, uh, there abides three things, faith, hope, and love. And love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Right. And love is yeah. And love is embracing God's will, choosing his choices, and obeying them through his power. And so mm-hmm. to, to, to reject what we know God's word says is not operating in love. Amen. Amen. Because love starts with loving God. Right. And loving God is obeying him. And so all these things, yeah, I'm glad you brought that in. All these things tie together. He says, pursue love, pursue agape. Mm. Pursue God's preferred will. Yes. And obey it through his power. Mm. And desire spiritual gifts. Amen. Especially that you may prophesy. All right. You know, a lot of people struggle with this verse when you really read it because they say, well, it can't mean what it sounds like it means. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> it can't mean what it sounds like it means, but it 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 it, it means exactly what it says. That's good. Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm just seeing that that pursue love. You can pursue, and then you can desire. Mm-hmm. But pursuing, it's like that's an all-consuming kind of thing. It's uh, it, but yeah, to desire spiritual gifts. Right. A lot of us feel like it's wrong to desire spiritual gifts. Right. No. No. We are to desire spiritual <laughs> gifts. But I. I don't know. Am I? Uh, Looking, I, I'm just saying there's a difference between pursuing and desiring, though. Well, it, it probably all depends on actually what word he's using there. Yeah, yeah, I have to, I have to look into that. All right, thank you. So. Okay, so yeah, pursue. Means to chase like a hunter and catch it. Mm. <laughs> it is yeah. earnestly pursued. To literally chase like a hunter and catch love. Wow. Catch love. Wow. And then desire oh, is, is that word zealous where it's boiling over. Boil over. A oh. burning zeal. A deeply, com- be deeply committed to something. Mm. So both words are extremely intense. Mm-hmm. 
So one is like a hunter, track it down and catch it. And, and I think that's that's accurate because true biblical love is something that is evasive. It's something that we're not used to, right? So it's something that we don't, we're going to have to track it down because it's not normal, right? Mm-hmm. And desiring spiritual gifts, you're actually going to have to be committed. Mm. You're going to have to be committed to this. You're going to have to have a passion for it that you're going to have to want this bad. Yeah. So they're both very intense words. Amen. Mm. Yeah. Earnestly. And, and this word desire literally encompasses pursuit. So where he says desire spiritual gifts, it means earnestly pursue them. So I kind of thought he was doing that. Paul does that kind of uses synonyms to mm. describe. So they are equal. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. First Corinthians 14, one to desire earnestly to pursue spiritual gifts. Wow. Are you looking at the numbers for those? Are they right? Um, so the the number for desire desire is twenty two oh six zero yeah and then the number for pursue or follow after is thirteen seventy seven. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. All right. Have a lot of homework to do here. (laughs) Focus on God's will and all these different areas we covered. Amen. All right. Well, thank you for bearing with me. (laughs) Uh, This is a lot, a lot to take in. Hopefully you took some good notes. We'll of course review it next week, but um, amen. Amen. I didn't know if we'd be able to cover it all, but we did. Mm-hmm. Look at that.